0: I suppose my own personal opinion, and it's probably easy for me to say this, but is, yes, they should boycott it. Um, Specifically, why? Um, The International Court of Justice on the 26th of January ordered Israel uh, in a binding ruling to stop killing Palestinians, um, allow massive amounts of humanitarian aid into the Gaza Strip and a number of other orders as well. And since then... The amount of humanitarian aid going into the Gaza Strip has not increased. And over 1,500 Palestinians have been killed uh, by Israel's assault on Gaza uh, in the the two or so weeks since then. So that's a blatant disregard of the court. And on that basis, I think um, any interaction, sporting interaction between Ireland and Israel is wrong, purely on that basis. Now, I do accept that it's a difficult, One for the Basketball Association and there are financial implications and perhaps other implications around access to tournaments. But at the end of the day, uh, sport is political and it is no good to say and it didn't work in South Africa, particularly with rugby. to say that uh it's it's um it's not political it's sport it is sport is political and it's an aspect of the relations between Ireland and other countries and in this case i just think it is totally wrong to go ahead with this fixture uh, Donica have
1: the irish team been put in a very difficult posi- position here as as Aiman says you know like i can understand why um, John Feen would say this, because it's taken years for basketball in this country to get to this stage. And, uh, you know, if they did not fulfill this fixture in the one in Dublin in November, they'd be fined another €100,000 and banned from competitions for five years, which would set the game back immensely. But should FIBA Europe be taking the, the burden off Ireland here? Israel have, you know, clearly brought politics and what's happening into this with those pictures they posed for with armed members of the IDF, Um We've seen Russia banned from international sports. Uh, should FIBA Europe be taking a, a decision here and taking it away from Ireland? Because they did ban Russia.
2: Yeah, a lot of good points there, uh, Alan. It, it is an invidious position for the uh, the Irish basketball organisation and, you know, the mantle has fallen on their shoulders, we'll say, to take a stand. And that's unfair because it really should be FIBA uh, taking a stand on this. No individual national organisation should have, you know, to take the responsibility for this uh, indeed individual players have felt that they've had to take the matter into their own hands i understand five players have said they won't be playing uh in today's game and again that's a position that no player should be uh, put in that that's a matter for fiba and you rightly point out that fiba excluded uh, russia and indeed belarus uh, from participation uh very recently and you know, now it has been brought to everyone's attention that our own uh, basketball organization, national basketball organization, uh, wrote to FIBA asking, or rather actually saying they wouldn't play Belarus, uh, who they were, you know, destined to play, if if they remained in the competition. And people are saying, well, why won't they do that now with Israel? But it seems it was a coordinated action and that FIBA was saying they would take action um, if if the individual national teams wrote to them. And so they were kind of prompted and they they, they fulfilled that. And then FIBA dutifully Banned Belarus and Russia, and the question is really why is it not being done here? You rightly also emphasise that the politicisation of this game and indeed the sport, you know, has been already, uh, you know, taken. It has already happened as a result of Israeli actions uh, of you know these photo opportunities, bringing the Israeli uh, army in with the uh, Israeli basketball players, you know, arm in arm, uh, and bringing heavy machine, you know, machine guns into those photographs opportunities and this is in advance of the game so you know we there is a mantra that politics and sport are somewhat separately but as Eamon rightly points out you know there are historical precedents you know apartheid South Africa of course uh, that was one even more locally of course um, the Kerry footballers of 1923 I think in 1924 also stated their intention not to play in the All Ireland series for political reasons during the Cold War of course um, you know the 1980 Moscow Olympics were boycotted by many Western nations not Ireland, uh, and in 1984, similarly, communist nations boycotted the Olympic Games in Los Angeles. So, you know, there is a precedent, and certainly sport and politics uh, are not as separate as many would make them out to be.
1: Eamon, the accusations by uh, the Israeli player Dor Sar, and, uh, you know, that uh, Irish players have been anti-Semitic and um, their coach has made, uh, I suppose, uh, comments that uh, don't look favourably upon Ireland... I just wonder, like, does it cheapen uh, uh, those who are genuinely uh, anti-Semitic when you're call when you use it, when when people are accused of it in this instance? It just, uh, I, I mean, it, it 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 seems so far from being anti-Semitic that it's it's nearly laughable that they would just throw this around lightly at anyone who dares criticize Israel and particularly the players for for those pictures.
0: Um, yeah, I think. Uh this is a strategy uh, which has been used for many years, uh, particularly by Israeli officials, to target any criticism of the state of Israel and the actions of the state of Israel, particularly against Palestinians, whether it's in Gaza or the West Bank, um, as anti-Semitic. And I do think that cheapens the... Uh, anti the notion of anti-Semitism, which is real and which is dangerous and which has grown in recent years, including in Europe in particular. And there have been anti-Semitic attacks on synagogues and on Jewish people in the US as well. So while not wanting to do anything to undermine the notion of anti-Semitism, which is real, Uh, I do think that it has been cheapened by Israeli officials and government ministers who have basically tried to label and smear anybody who makes any criticism of the state of Israel as anti-Semitic. And that's what you see at play here. And I think it is unhelpful. It is dangerous. um, And I think it, it, it is deeply harmful as well. Yeah,
1: that's for sure. Well, we will see the game is meant to tip off at four o'clock Irish time. Uh, There could be developments uh, before the fixture, but at the moment it's still due to go ahead. We'll move on to events closer to Gaza, Dunica, and uh, we've seen uh, the US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, saying he still thinks there's a chance of a ceasefire or uh, a pause in fighting in Gaza. This is following the proposals which were submitted by Hamas, um, but Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, he's called their demands delusional, so it doesn't look as if that's going to happen. It would have involved the exchange of hostages and prisoners, the reconstruction of Gaza, the withdrawal of Israeli forces and the exchange of bodies and remains. Those proposals the one in particular that it seemed like it might be an onrunner is the reconstruction of gaza or certainly israel helping in the reconstruction of gaza do you think those proposals were ever going to fly and do you think there's any hope of uh, uh, as anthony blinken says a chance of a ceasefire or a pause in the fighting
2: well well not for the first time anthony blinken and indeed the us government have been completely Upstaged and to a certain degree humiliated by the Israeli government because, as is well recorded, I mean, US support for Israel is unstinting. Uh, you know, more support has been passed recently in the Senate. Uh, And this is his fifth trip to the region since uh, October, and he's been on the phone nonstop between the various stakeholders in the intervening periods. And he certainly thought there was enough uh, on the table and enough progress to justify coming to the Middle East again. And, um, you know, then you have this press conference by Netanyahu where he more or less says that, you know, he's he's doubling down essentially on his original objectives. He's saying, he used the word eliminate several times uh, in his press conference he was eliminate Hamas nothing stopping and nothing short of that would be acceptable so you know there was no sense of movement certainly uh, on the Israeli side and you were left wondering indeed what had motivated Anthony Blinken to come in the first place was he so out of touch with uh, the sentiment in the Israeli cabinet i mean a lot of also um, emphasis on the on the hostages because they were an integral part of this uh, agreement and netanyahu who uh, again seems to be indifferent to their fate. He's saying that military pressure essentially is the only way to return the hostages, the Israeli hostages in Gaza. And and again, it's hard to know where he's getting that information because only... One hostage has been rescued uh, by military pressure. Three were mistakenly killed by the Israelis themselves. And over 100 hostages were already released by negotiation. So, you know, negotiation obviously does work. And also, by the way, there's Israeli Israeli intelligence suggests that 31 uh, hostages have died uh, during uh, Israeli bombardment. So essentially, negotiation is the obvious way forward. But that doesn't seem to be in in the diplomatic uh, toolkit of the Israeli government right now.
1: Eamon, do you hold out any hope that there will be uh, a ceasefire, particularly given Benjamin Netanyahu's stance on this? He doesn't seem to be one for turning and it doesn't seem as if even um, the support or the uh, influence of the US is is, is actually that influential.
0: Um, <clears throat> I suppose you have to hold out hope that uh, at some point, hopefully very soon, um that there will be a ceasefire. But I think part of the problem is that for a lot of these actors, um, a ceasefire actually um might create political difficulties. It certainly will create political difficulties for Netanyahu. Um, there are extreme elements within his government who will collapse that government um and turf him out of office very quickly. Um if they are seen to be giving too much to Hamas and if there isn't, as they seem to want a total victory, whatever that might mean. I think also for Joe Biden, he's in a very difficult position and clearly not able to pass a message to Israel that this has to stop and stop now. And he's in an election year and I think he's very concerned about his own position. There may also be divisions within Hamas um, And between, let's say, the military wing inside Gaza and the political leadership uh, in Qatar, um, and difficult to know what they want uh, precisely and what they are absolutely uh, not willing to sign up for. Um, So there's a lot at stake here. And in the meantime, uh, people continue to die from bombardments in Gaza from starvation. Uh, The UN's assessment, which was carried out before Christmas, which is the last assessment they've been able to do, uh, indicated that about 400,000 people were on the verge of starvation. And uh, it's all we can say is that it's much worse now. Um, So I think there are people here whose sense of what is right uh, is clouded by their desire for their own political survival. And and that's a, a terrible thing to see. And That is for sure. We're
1: almost out of time, but Dunnock, I just wanted to finish with you briefly, if you don't mind. Uh, one uh, event which has happened in the US, which may, may be more influential in terms of um, bringing what Israel is doing to a halt rather than uh, any efforts by Anthony Blinken or Joe Biden is the bill and the US House of Representatives that would have provided $17.6 billion to Israel. That was defeated by 250 votes to 180, falling short of the two-thirds majority needed for passage. Uh, Could that uh, lack of funding just being given over to Israel to continue their war efforts um, be more uh, influential in terms of uh, bringing about a ceasefire?
2: well the the logjam in in congress uh from israel's perspective is is it it's, there's a many factors there and it, it's been kind of also put together with other issues and and uh you know it's it's also part of course of the election year between republicans and democrats i don't think that you know uh turning off the the funding right now is going to have an immediate uh impact unfortunately because the, the asymmetry is such i mean that you know israel's military superiority is overwhelming and they've been building that up uh i mean it's a fortress state i mean it, it, it's it's they have conscription they have the iron dome they have one of the most sophisticated militaries uh in the world and you know the funding is of course welcome external funding but they they, they do have enough of a of, of a build-up there to last them for, for for quite a long time and That's the unfortunate thing that even were the US, uh, you know, to stop the military and financial support in the morning, there's no evidence to suggest that that would immediately modify the behavior uh, of the Israeli government.